It's your Midwest Garden Podcast. Let's talk about hydrangeas. To prune or not to prune? There is no question. Today's episode is Season 1, Episode 25, My Advice on Hydrangea Pruning. Hey fellow gardeners, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Along with me is freshman gardener Scott Sandstrom. Say hello, Scott. Hey everyone, how's it going? Okay, you got anything you want to talk about today? Like, I I have something. Yeah, I've got one. One. So, on the last show with Slivy, Lawn Service, number four. A little snippet. (laughs) That was a fun show. Yeah. Uh, for you. Yeah, it was. I was. I'm dry. Okay. <laughs> You're not suffering. Any, you didn't catch any cold there from the cold water. No. Okay. Anyway, so I t- I talked to Slivy and you, and I said that I was going to try that liquid aeration, which is basically more like liquid coring. Yeah, aeration. I thought it was uh, gypsum or liquid gypsum or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So. Slivy, since you're listening, and we're going to do this test and section my backyard, you, see how it works. You're going to say you got something that he doesn't know about? Well, well that's no, true. Well, he was you, questioning no, no. it, too. No, yeah. you were questioning more about, you kept saying the gypsum. I think the active ingredient is gypsum. Well, yeah, because, well, let me explain briefly, because gypsum helps to break up the soil particles and allows more drainage to get down to the root system. However, you got something over my head right now, and it's a guillotine. <laughs> no, I'm just saying what this uh, material, that liquid that you can buy online that attaches to your hose. Yeah. Or, or you did your research, your garden you found out too. what it was? Yeah, it's uh, the active ingredient is ammonium laurel sulfate. Which, really? Which is basically commonly found in soap. Really? So I guess it it just breaks down the dense particles and... It separates, up the soil. yeah, that's what it helps with, if you're going to use it for floor washing or dishes, it helps break up the, the compactness in the particles also. Otherwise, if you're going to use straight water, eventually it'll break it up, but it takes a heck of a lot longer. So this accelerates the breakup of the thatch. Yeah, loosens it up, and it says it creates beneficial airways. What's so. it called again? Laurel? No, alum- <laughs> aluminum. Ad- ammonium. Ammonium. Ammonium laurel sulfate. Ammonium laurel sulfate. Now, is there a name brand for it, or you just look that up online and see? You're going to try it, though. I know. I'm going to try it. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to get a. You're not going to do your bottle. whole yard. You're going to do a no, certain. No, I'm going to do a certain section, and in that section, I'm going to divide it in half. Oh, cool! And All do right. half, and get a soil probe. And ha- I'm, well, I'm not going to get one. I'm going to make make Slivy do it. Slivy come over. Yeah. And because he wants a real world test, well, I got the real world. He can do all the work. Yeah. All right. I mean, and in this case, too, if you notice a difference as far as coloration and growth process, if you do one half of it one way and one without, I mean, that's going to be a visual. In right, itself. right, right. All right. That's cool. We're so. going to start next spring on that. You Are you going to put yeah. it down? Well, you're supposed to put it down three times during the year. The so. Growing season. Yeah. So we're talking growing spring, season. midsummer, and early, late summer, early fall. Yeah. All right, so we're going to try that next year. I'll do year. that. And then we'll, while we're talking about soil and testing, we're going to have an episode coming up um, it's for everybody to do soil test kits at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they used to call the extension, and the extension would then, well, at least here in Ohio, they would tell you to, you know, if you can, we can give you the number. We used to take them in, 
uh, meaning that the, the extension would, and then they would send it off to a lab, like whether it's Ohio State, and then uh, they ended up sh- uh, sending it somewhere out there on the East Coast. Now, this, uh, if you were to try to do it in Ohio, you'd have to go and call this East Coast laboratory, have them send you the kit. You go ahead and put your stuff in there. They'll send it, you send it, mail it back to them, but then you got to pay them to do it. And it's, it's an extraordinary amount of money. So what... What is going to happen now is our sponsor, Black Diamond, the right. garden centers now have, or will have, actually held it in my hand the other day, it's a soil kit that you buy at the store. It has everything, the prepaid envelope, everything, and you dig your soil, put the samples in, and then you mail it off. And then the lab within three to five days, why am I giving this whole show away right now? I don't know. Well, no. I, but the lab will analyze your soil, and then uh, the rest of it will be a tease on how you get results. And now, okay, you can – now, this is through the same company that uh, provides bumper crop, Master – what is it? Uh, well, they're just part of a group. They're a group. Okay. Group. All right, a growing group. And but, then you can go – but – that's going to be the next one that we, we're going to be That's having. going to be an episode coming up. Coming up. And it's going to tell you Maybe how you can get it, when December, you can get it. Give you a hint. I mean, you know. January. You, yeah. Is it expensive? No, it's not expensive at all. What's, what's expensive to you? Um, well, last I heard, I mean, you can get up as high to have everything analyzed according to what you want. It can go up to a couple hundred bucks. No, 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 no. No? No. This is... I don't know the exact selling price, but I know it's... It's going to be basically pocket change compared 50, to that. Really? Yeah, under 40, somewhere in there. Really? So I'd it's going to cost you, know, you about as much as, let's say, your, your, your own lunch somewhere. Maybe a little <laughs> bit more. Well, I shouldn't speak for you. I'll speak for myself. Yeah, I had a, a, at a, fi- at a, a good 50, restaurant. A $50 tab at Taco Bell is one well, heck of a tab. No, no, we're not, we're not going there, no. I mean, if I were to have my... Never mind. I don't drink anymore either, so right, 50 so, bucks wouldn't last so that there, long. There, there's your little aeration answer that you asked for last show. Right, there's a little up. tease to a show coming up within the next month or two. You can have your soil tested, and you can find out what you're lacking, what you have too much of, what you don't have enough of. And uh, now, now, let's get on with the show. Da, 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 da. Because I did my studying for this. Yeah, Scott's we, ready. We've had hydrangeas in the back, and... After a number of years, I, I they just, you know. Well, I, say I, it like it is. Call it what it is. Well, so they no. look like schmutz. Well, no. They were one. They're dead. Two of them, and they're not that far away from each other. One of them, I think, got a little more water from the sprinkler system. But it would, it got to the point, and they used to be beautiful. To and then they like got to is. the point where they wouldn't bloom. Yeah. The other one took all summer to green up. Yeah. And then it would start forming buds in September and tried to bloom in October. I, no, okay. I, I just think they got old. Or, well, I was going to say, how long have you had my, them in there? Or my patients got old. Well, they I used to flower them. for you, right? What color uh, were they? Uh, they were endless summer, so they were pink and then and or blue, and then yeah. I altered the pH and turned one pink for the wife. Okay, we'll talk about the altering of pH, but how old were they? How long did you have them about? Oh, gosh, I want to say like eight years. Now, you, the key word right there was pool, right? That's a sunny area? Well, well yeah. yeah. It was, it, I mean, they they were probably the i mean they survived for a number of years but as i've learned more now i think they were the wrong hydrangea for that area because they got 
the afternoon cooked. sun, you know, and then the neighbors cut down a tree, so they got... Oh, more. sure, blame the neighbors for they the leaves in your yard. More. And no, no, they got cooked more, you know, and the lava rock didn't help, but... No, okay, so you've had a French hydrangea, a French variety, like you said, the endless summer. Now, there's two kinds of hydrangeas. Do you want me to tell you what the uh, botanical term is for it? Yeah, yeah. For, that, for your French That'd hydrangea? be great, Mike. It, I'm, I'm going to impress the world. It's called a macrophylla. Or some people call them macrophiles, but it's M-A-C-R-O-P-H-Y-L-L-E, macrophylla. Now, that's the French hydrangea. That's the one that you had. Endless Summer's a hybrid, a variety of the French hydrangea. That's the one where it would have these big snowballs that would be mostly blue. But you can, like you said, you can change or adjust the pH in the soil, and it'll help to correct... um, well, you can tune it, fine-tune it to give you the colors that you're going to want. If you wanted to, uh, the blue hydrangea to turn pink, all you'd have to do basically is sweeten the soil. Get yourself some lime, sp- sprinkle it around the perimeter of the whole thing, wash it, and do that about three times. Throughout the growing season, your flower is going to be turning to a pinkish color. Okay. Can, can I just quickly interrupt? Please do. Everybody hit pause. Pause. And go get a pen and a paper. A pencil, a crayon, like Mike does. <laughs> it's the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> you you only need one color. You don't need all sixty four. Hey, no, you can have multiple We're colors color depending on what kind of hydrangea That's you right. want. That's the right. Macro whatever. Macrophylla. And what's the other? Paniculata. Yeah. So you need two colors of crayons to take notes with. One for each flavor. Put preferably don't put it on the wall or your refrigerator. Put it on a piece of paper. Right? Right, right. Well, you had little kids running around. Who? You did at one time. So did I. Anyway, so my point is everybody go. There are so many dang hydrangeas and so many flavors that I think that's what has the world all screwed up on who's planting what, where, and, you know, some bloom and some are just green. And, but anyhow. Well, there used to be only two. To the two varieties, the macrophylla and the paniculata. What ended up happening was people wanted to make, you know, they didn't want, the the, the standard French hydrangea could get up to about four plus foot in height, and it really wouldn't bloom all the time because a lot of times people would do the wrong thing. But it would get a lot of foliage and it'd be four plus feet in height and diameter. Well, they wanted smaller ones too, and they wanted to to ensure that they were going to get those flowers. So these places like Willoway, or Monrovia, or any of these high-end breeders for, and they do breed them, um, they, they do the genetic modification. They take the best part of the hydrangea, they put it in, and they, you know, make it grow small, and they make it be prolific to bloom on new growth. So that's the endless summer variety. Now, there's a number of different varieties of those out there, too. There's lace cap. I mean, there's a bunch of them. But those are supposed to only get about two to three feet in height and diameter, and they're supposed to be able to give you the bloom or the blossom continuously all summer long. Well, we've been proven wrong on that one. So you're thinking I'm putting more of those macrophyllas out there by your pool, or are you thinking I'm going paniculata? No, I want all I want all hibiscus. Oh, you're doing <laughs> tropical. I, I'm done with hydrangeas in the back. All right, I, I got some beautiful, huge quick fires in the front and some oak leaf hydrangeas around the one side of the right, pool. Right. And those are huge, but gorgeous. I yeah. Mean, so you're not going to go with the macrophyllas anymore. The small. No, no. I, every, everywhere I have is heavy sun. Well, there's people right now, being that this is autumn, and people are cleaning up for the final time in their yard, 
Right now, they're giving their final mowing. They're raking or blowing the leaves out to the streets so the city can come and pick them up. Or if you live in the rural areas where you can burn them, I miss that smell, with the popping of the, pi- of the not only pine, what do they call acorns from the oak trees. Anyway, um, I don't want you to do one particular thing to your hydrangea if it's a macrophylla and if it's a blue or a pink one. Um, it, it, that hydrangea will only bloom uh, on last year's growth, meaning that if you do any pruning to it now, major pruning, it looks dead and ugly, you're going to be taking away next year's growth. So I want you to leave it alone. If you can turn a blind eye to it, pretend it's not there, let it look ugly, and then maybe next spring, cut off the top two inches off of the stalk so that it bleeds and it starts to sap upward so that those buds that they set this year in the fall or the previous fall They'll start to bloom for you toward the middle of the first part, middle of June next year. Sometimes it's at the end of May. So I need to decide what color crayon to make notes down. Which one was this again? Just to clarify for everybody. The macrophylla or the endless summer hydrangea or the French hydrangea. The ones that turn blue or pink where you can adjust the color. Are Are those the double bloomers? How do you mean double bloomers? They bloom at the beginning of the season, and then they'll... They'll bloom all season long. And then they bloom again later in the season? Well, some of them will do that, but okay, most so. of them are going to bloom all season long if you do things right. Okay. So and this, if you don't have a bad winter. So this is a red crayon for me. Okay, thanks. All right. Well, confusing. No, Con- bad continue. winters, meaning that, you know, if you don't do any of the trimming of that uh, right now, taking those stalks all the way down to the ground just to clean it up, make it look good, because people don't want something that looks dead in the middle of their yard. I can understand that, like your grasses. Sometimes people like to have their grasses, you know, uh, left out there so it still looks like there's something there, even though it's yellow or golden or brown. It still looks all right. Other people, they cut the grass down. Do not, I repeat, do not cut your French hydrangeas down. Let it look ugly. And if you want, you can put some leaves around the base of it, too, because this last season, we had a really good spring. It started out beautiful. Things started to sap upward. I mean, toward the end of March, first part of April, it was getting, you know, 45 degrees. People, oh, but we were wearing our, with, 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 with COVID and stuff, we were wearing the, the mask as well as our Bermuda shorts outside. Well, now... Um, but well, not now, but then we ended up having two, uh, end of April, kaboom, first part of May, a killing freeze. We had like about an inch and a half of icy snow hit these things, and it was an Arctic one. It was not 33 degrees out. It was more like 14 degrees out for a week. And it ended up killing a lot of the flowering blossoms or the buds on the plant. So you were fortunate if you were able to get your hydrangeas to bloom, even if you didn't cut down the stock the previous autumn or in the early part of spring. I am going to be strongly recommending that you just watch out. If you want to ensure that you're going to be getting the bloom, don't cut them down. And then also, if you want, you can put some leaves around the base of it so that in case we have a really crummy spring, and it, it won't kill the, or at least do any damage to the buds. So I want to go to the frost a second. All right. But you you also mentioned like three things, which is almost like an overwintering checklist. Oh. You were talking about not pruning those. Right. You okay. were talking about insulating the plants. Okay. Yeah, the leaves and things. Okay. Okay. And then the other one was hopefully 
you stopped fertilizing hydrangeas. Well, I was going to get to that by August. Well, you, most people, okay. Most people aren't going to be doing. The, yeah, there's there's a there's a there's a you know a little bit of a question here. Okay. I don't want you to put any any high nitrogen fertilizers down anywhere near Halloween. I don't want you to do that. And the reason is, is because you can have what they call a winter thaw. We're in the Midwest. For goodness gracious, nothing standard. I mean, we're going to go from 60 degrees down to 16, and that's, that's not unusual. But if we get a winter thaw, and like in February, we get up to, you know, above freezing, it can go in the low 40s for about three to five days, things have a tendency to start to sap upward again. And if you've got the nitrogen in there from that fertilizer, it's going to start to produce more budding for leaves. And then, kaboom, we go back down to normal February temperatures, and it freezes big time with winds. It'll knock that bush out. Not just those flowers, not just those leaves. It could knock the bush out. It could kill it. So I don't want you to put any heavy nitrogen fertilizer. I do, on the other hand, recommend you put something down with what they call mycorrhizae. Now you're shaking your head. Yes, mycorrhizae is a bacillus. I know. I know the product. I don't okay. know how to use it. Well, what what I want you to do, what this does is, it attaches itself. There's a symbiotic, sort of a symbiotic relationship, kind of like barnacles on a whale. The mycorrhizae is going to collect onto the roots, of the feeder roots of the plant, and if you do that early enough, sometime between the end of August. All the way up to, well, I could say Halloween, Thanksgiving if you wanted to, but it's got to work its way into the soil. It'll attach itself, the mycorrhizae will attach itself to the feeder portion of the roots of the plant. And then the following season, it's going to develop more and more and more. It's basically like a, uh, a stimulant for more feeder roots. But it's going to, uh, uh, the byproduct from the mycorrhizae is going to be almost force-fed into the feeder root system of the plant. They're going to eat all the stuff that's not accessible to the plant, and then it's going to make it accessible by forcing it into the root system of the plant, therefore taking like about three to five times more of the unused nutrients that's in the soil than it would normally do. And you get a far more, a far hardier plant. I mean, it's going to take in a lot of micronutrients in there, like the manganese, the calcium, the boron, um, all sorts of iron, things of that nature that it generally, you know, has a difficult time or the soils generally don't have that much of. I feel like I'm in a private class and everybody's getting a free lesson on my dime. I'm impressing you, aren't you? Aren't, aren't you? Aren't I'm impressing I? <laughs> myself, too. <laughs> so, but no, the reason why, when you say being in the Midwest and looking at my homework here, some lady was saying that her... Hydrangeas had it's, it warmed up. It got like in the seventies for like several days during the winter, and all the new shoots were no longer buds, but like four, three, four inch long stems, growth spurts, whatever you want to yeah. call them. Yeah. And then it got cold again. Yeah. And then what happened was uh, those leaves on those new growths were like partially brown. Almost like a brown spot on it. Yeah, it cooks them. It burns them. So, yeah. So what you were saying was spot on with what this one lady well, was complaining Well, she was about. able to keep them, wasn't she? I mean, Yeah, they, yeah. Okay. I mean, they, they, they just, just looked, looked ugly. weird. The leaves yeah. looked weird, but. They end up, a free. it's like a freezer burn. If you were a kid, you put your hand on the freezer or something, and you, you let it sit there for about two and a half minutes, like stupid people do when they're young and then you pull it out it's peeling some of the skin off but or it, it'll burn you'll get what they call a freezer burn 
And when you move it or bend it, it'll crack. Well, that same thing will happen to the foliage that comes out during the 70 degree temperatures during the spring thaw or the winter thaw. And it's not just the cold. It's a combination of the cold and the winds that do come in. Now, in the Midwest, usually, you're going to get prevailing winds from the south-southwest. Once in a while, you're going to get what we call a northeasterly or nor'easter that's going to just kick the schmutz out of them. It's going to be Arctic. They used to call it an old Arctic blast, and it's going to just blow the heck out of it. Well, uh, there's what they call an anti-desiccant. It's uh, one of the name brands. is called Wilt Proof. I used to say it was a paraffin spray, but it's not. A gentleman by the name of Don Seymour said, it's not a, it's not a paraffin, it's not a wax, it's an anti-desiccant. Well, I go, uh, I knew that. Not really. And he go, what does it mean? And he said, it means it's going to help it to prevent any evaporation from the winds and the cold of the moisture that it's going to need for rebounding. So if you give it a coat of that before, you know, oh, let's say Thanksgiving, do it again before the Christmas holiday, you give it an extra coat, that's going to help to ensure. But when you see that you're not going to get the wind blowing, but if you know that you're going to have, you have a 70-degree day out there or a couple days, I want you to go back out there with that Wiltproof. Hopefully we get a sponsor out of this, Wiltproof, hint, hint, wink, wink. But um, uh, you spray it onto it, give it that little insulation factor so that the winds aren't going to blow the heck out of any moisture that that plant needs. So you can apply that. Midwinter. If you've got seventy degree temperatures in the midwinter, then you and, can do. It. Then go out there so and do it. I'm not it. going to ask you to spray it. Then you know minus ten. Okay, so I don't want to get too far off track with yeah the okay. hydrangeas, but you talked about one type. Yeah, that's the macrophylla. Now you need to discuss a little bit about the other. Flavor. I don't need to. You've got to ask me kindly. Please, Mike. Will okay, you teach cool. us. The other one is called the paniculata. How do you spell paniculata, Scott? I gave it to you. I looked it up for you. Okay. <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> oh, oops. It's P-A-N-I-C-U-L-A-T-A. Paniculata. P- Every, everybody switch to your blue crayon. This is a This is a blue plant. crayon. Write down paniculata. P-A-N-I-C-U-L-A-T-A. All right, Smarty. Since you looked it up, what kind of a hydrangea is that? It's the sun one. The sun the, the one. one Wait, am I right? Is it the quick fires, lime lights, little quick fires? They both like some, the macrophylla and the paniculata. It's just the, the time of day sunlight. Well, this is uh, this would be late sun one. This would be the heat of the day sunlight. Yeah. It'll tolerate the cooking at, from like about 12 o'clock till, you know, sunset. These are the ones that are going to tolerate the heat. Paniculata, they have uh, hybrids that are called quick fire, uh, lime lights, They've even got tree forms of the quick fire and the limelight. Yeah, those are cool. Annabelle's they've got, like the old-fashioned white ones that Grandma used to have, the big snowball also. These are the hardier, woodier ones that you can yeah, you can trim them if you want, like anything. They think they're rose bushes. This one, you can give it a haircut. I don't want you to go any more than a third rule, one-third rule, meaning that if you didn't cut them yet, cut them, you know, go outside, you can give them a haircut. Um, no more than one-third the whole area away at one time. So if you've got yourself, what, you know, a six-foot uh, paniculata like a limelight or even like the Annabelle, don't take any more than one-third or two feet off if it's six feet. Just shape it up. Now, they think they're roses. A rose bush is only going to bloom on new growth. So it's going to assist in stimulating new growth on there, and there'll be larger flowers. However, Scott, you came up with a question 
about uh, not pruning. And the, this had to do with some lady that you were talking about that would do that suggested not to prune it or skip a season. Well, she was talking. If this is one that I remember, she was talking about the flops. Is that the one you're the thinking? Flops them, stops them from flops. And well, uh, people talk about. I don't want one of those hydrangeas that flops. Yeah, heads. when it gets too heavy on the top growth, right. it flops so, on the ground. So that's not necessarily a particular hydrangea type. That is how you prune or not prune that's that how you maintain it, right. Yes, okay. So there's a little education there for the customers that come into the garden center. So to tell me if you agree with this. Basically, to get them to not flop, you skip a pruning season or maybe two. The flower heads get smaller but still gorgeous. And then what they're telling you is that the stem base gets thicker and there's uh, some more, even some of the, uh, I'm going to say dead stems help support the new ones. Therefore, you don't get that flop. Yeah. And the Does dead that sound stems, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the dead stems usually aren't, you don't see them that much. They help to support the abundance of flower on there. Now, mind you, to help to stimulate the blossom, once a year, I would recommend maybe putting down some, you know, triple superphosphate or superphosphate in rock phosphorus, put it around the perimeter. It helps to stimulate the blossom. But when it comes to the pruning or the shaping up, let them finish their bloom. And then at the end of the season, you can give them a haircut. And when I'm talking of pruning or a haircut, I'm talking again, no more than one third of the entire area away in one time. They think they're rose bushes. Rose bushes only produce a flower on new growth. Now, an ample, beautiful flower from a hydrangea, such as this paniculata, if you were to prune it, you're going to stimulate some shoots on this stalk that they were that you cut off, new growth. You'll produce new flower and usually bigger flower for all of that new growth. Now, what the lady was suggesting here was if you skip a season on the pruning, Mm -hmm. and you allow the older stock to get thicker and hardier, you're still going to get some flower. You're just not going to have the large or the, 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 the same size of the flower. You will get an abundance of them, but they get, each year you skip it, the less you'll, you'll in, in, in size, diameter, girth, you'll notice. So I am going to recommend that you, you progressively trim it. If you want to skip a year or two, that's fine. But I do recommend that you trim it so that it helps to stimulate two things. One, more of a dense foliage, a stronger, hardier stock. And then thirdly, give you even more of a, 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 a blossom or bloom on them. Is that on either style hydrangea? No. no. On the French hydrangeas, the macrophyllas. Which are like the endless summer Endless style. summers. The, you, the you, shade ones. If they get too, I am still going to recommend you give them each season. When you have that dead stalk the following season, it's going to look like a dead stick in there. Just go ahead and take your pruners and scrape the bark from the top down until you get to a green part and then cut into it. Why, you ask, Scott? Everybody switch to your red crayon, by the way. Okay. Now, everybody's asking why. Why, why do you do that? Because you're going to, the tip of that is going to usually be a little bit crusty and, and coarse. It'll be like a cork in a bottle. It'll take forever for the new growth to start coming up on that stock unless you're allowing that chlorophyll or the sap, basically, 
to uh, uh, sap upwards. It's nicknamed bleeding the lines. You cut into the green, you're going to force it to bleed. It'll callus over, but it's going to get that nutrient, the sap upward from the root system, to give it the nutrients it needs to start producing leaf and flower. That's all I'm going to recommend on that to cut off. Don't cut the whole stock down. You look, you got that question mark above your head. No, I'm just... Yeah, you do. Uh, I'm just, maybe I'll just leave hydrangeas to the more experienced well, for, the, when for it a comes few to years. The, the French hydrangea, the waxy-leaved one, the one that looks more delicate, the one that gives you the blue and the pink flower, yeah. do not cut any of that thing off during the fall, and do not cut any of it in the spring until, oh, uh, you scrape, let's say it's about mid-April, and you want to go out there and clean up the yard. And you got those ugly leaves that are still hanging, dangling from the hydrangea. You can basically pick those off of the stalks. But with your pruners, I want you to go on those stalks, those dead sticks that are there. They're not dead. I want you to scrape the tips of that. And if you if it's brown, go down about another inch or two, scrape. If it's brown, go down another inch or two until you get to the green and then cut into the green. And that forces it to sap upward and bleed. It's like taking a cork out of the bottle. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to address this next spring when it comes time. I'll tell you, I don't, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like in Wisconsin. I don't know what's going to be like in Idaho or even in Iowa. We don't even know what it's going to be like here. No, we won't. I mean, well, again, <laughs> it's going to change, as you know, from day to day. So in this case, all we can do is explain what we're experiencing here at the Southern Great Lakes. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest Garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. So kind of a quick scenario on overwintering again, because we kind of had a little checklist going yeah. that we didn't plan on, but it's it's been suggested that you water until frost. Right. Now you want okay, to know that, why. That answers that. You, well, why are you going to ask why? Uh, um, no, Mike, why? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike, why? Yes, Mike, why? The, 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 the reason is for almost the same reason that you don't fertilize after, let's say, with regular high nitrogen fertilizer after the end of August, you can put the mycorrhizae or the fertilizer with the natural mycorrhizae down all the way in through Thanksgiving if you want. But in order for nutrients to get in there and also... You want the soil to basically freeze around the root system. So you want that, that you, without any water in there, that plant is going to need that frozen ice cube of water hmm. to break down and thaw that. out the following spring. So this is a green crayon. This applies to all hydrangeas? I would say it applies to most anything that you want to have for decent flowering and ornamental. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You're basically freezing the root system. Freezing it so that when we do get that thaw... I mean, not thaw, but when it starts to legitimately come to spring, some of the springs we don't have the rains that we want, but you want to make sure that you have an ample amount of moisture in the soil so that when it does the sap upward, Dang, that it's taking the moisture, moisture that you've got there. frozen down there. Makes sense. So, okay. So that brings us kind of, uh, somebody was suggesting to bring, talking about watering still, so, Bringing hydrangeas that you have on pots, mm-hmm. 
into your garage. Mm-hmm. But they're also saying, obviously, they need some type of water because they're not going to freeze over. Right. So people were suggesting make a nice size snowball and put the snowball in the you know in the pot you know on top of the roots so it melts and then they're at like once a month only just once a month brilliant as long as the soil doesn't dry out now it's going to gradually being that you know most people don't have heated garages but even if you do no but even a non-heated garage yeah let's just say an insulated one still going to be it's going to cause for a slow melting of that yeah, snow and ice because the cars will the snow will melt off your cars, right. but it's not 100 degrees in there. Right. So just, you, you know, it's just you, enough. You can bring them in. You can put a snowball or you can even pack snow around the base of it if you wanted to go, you know, to the nth degree. It'll melt. It'll contain and retain enough moisture in that so that when you want to pull it out next spring, it will usually rebound, and but it's still going to look dormant and it's still going to look dead. But it's still going to need that moisture in order for it to rebound the following season and to stay alive during the dormant period. You don't want to go and put it underneath the spigot continuously because it'll drown. Right. It's not going to take that moisture in. You just want to make sure that the soil retains the moisture. And even at dormancy, it's going to slowly take in the moisture that you're going to be putting in from the snowball. It's kind of like an orchid. You know, when people are basically saying that, you know, the best way to water one is just take an ice cube and put it on the soil, let it melt down. Well, that's basically what you're doing right now for the dormant hydrangea that you're bringing into the garage. Unless, see, these hydrangeas, I don't want you to put them into a sunroom. They have to go through a dormancy process. So it's got to be dark. It's got to be cool. Um, in essence, if you're going to be bringing it indoors, it's going to be confused. Um People have sun porches and facing east, south, or north, or whatever, where the sun's whatever direction they're facing, as long as they're getting sun. And that's going to radiate heat and it's going to continue to grow. It really does have to go through a dormancy or a sleeping process in order for it to wake up the following spring and go, okay, let's kick some butt here. That type of thing. So, watering in a nutshell, water up until frost. Outdoors, right? Outdoors, indoors, throw a snowball on them. Right. <laughs> or don't you know, throw it, or, just or pack snow around it. Yeah, yeah, or if you don't have snow, well, then, you depending know, on how just this, give it a little, you know, a little bit of a, a couple of cups of water and leave it alone. Don't do it every right, day. Right, right. And then when you're watering outside, don't water the leaves. Water the base at the base. Now, why do you say that, Scott? Let's see if you've been paying attention. Well, it's like other things that, like the obvious one that comes to mind is. You get uh, the magnifi- magnification from the sun will burn a hole in the leaves. Bingo. That's one. Number two, you'll get, it's called scorch, too. Scorch. Yeah. Okay. Um, anytime you water is a good time to water. It's just that they don't want you to, well, we don't want you, I wanted to say they, um, to go out there and take your oscillating sprinkler or even your fan sprinkler to go and wash, I mean, it's yeah, the plant's going to love it in the middle of the day, but when you're done watering it, you get that collection of the water beads, it's going to cook or scorch the leaves. It's not really going to kill the plant, No, it's just but it's gonna not going to make it look pretty. So you're uh, doing it no service. No, and if you can, if you're going to do midday watering, then do it at the base at of the, the base. plant. Nighttime, if you want to, you can give it the drink. But a hydrangea is kind of unique, especially the French hydrangea. Now, the, the paniculatas, those guys are tough cookies. But the French hydrangea, they're wusses. Yeah, they need it. 
ton of water. Well, what they do is, you know what? Often. Let's just say you're out there work. Go, you go to your nine to five. Your wife goes to her nine to five. Nobody's at home. Temperatures get up in the high 80s, low and mid 90s. You come home, you see that French hydrangea laying down on the ground. Oh my God, it's dead. Oh, well, I killed it. No, you didn't kill it. You give it a two minute drink. They're sissies. They yeah. hear the car coming up. Oh, here he comes. I'm going to give him hell. So they go, they lay down on the ground. They look terrible. You give them a two minute drink. 20 minutes later, they teach him. Jeez, here we go. You know, and they start to pop back up. But if you go day after day after day without giving them the water, yeah, that could kill them. But no, the plants usually will rebound. Again, I, I swear to goodness, they hear your car coming in. They're going to lay down on the ground. You give them a two to three minute drink, they'll pop back. No, up. they do pop up. I mean, it's crazy how the ones that I used to have, just, you know, plus. Yeah, when that back in the pool area where they. Yeah, with are, the lava rock. I mean, it really, that yeah, really hurt them. Perfect environment but, for them. But jeez, I mean, you all you do is add some water and Space, bingo, they're, they're there. You know, you, you guys are part of a family business that's been, you know, working with these things for 100 years. Not that long, but still a long time. Of course, you only, you know. Why well, me. It took you long enough to try to finally ask questions. Pride cometh before the fall there, Scott. No, it has nothing to do with it. I was busy. I'm just busy. See, he was just busy, busy, busy. busy. Okay, well. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I may humiliate you. Not to the point where Slivy would do it. <laughs> the lawn service dude, but just, just be careful. I still have that the sprinkler. sprinkler. Don't turn that son of a gun. Load it up is and a, ready to fire. <laughs> this is fall, <laughs> damn it. I All don't right, want to so, get wet. So we're kind of wrapping things up for everybody. Yeah. Do it. Either, you know, like the non-prune. We did we'd kind of tap the watering out a little bit there. So you just want to quickly summarize, do not prune again don't, in the fall? Don't do any fall pruning. Turn a blind eye to the ugliness of the French hydrangea. You can prune the paniculata or the woody ornamental. If you got any questions, call your local garden center. Ask them um, oh, if I should trim my hydrangea now. They're going to ask you if they're reputable. They'll say, well, what kind do you have? Do you have the French hydrangea or do you have the paniculata? Um, the French hydrangea is the blue or the pink one. The um, uh, paniculata is going to be your limelight, quick fire, bobo. Um, it's going to be the Annabelle. All of these woodier ones. You can trim those down now, but don't trim them any more than one third. The whole area away at one time. French hydrangeas like the endless summers. Don't prune them now. Just scrape the bark next spring from the top down. Maybe take about two or three inches off so that they bleed. Leave it alone. Uh, fertilizing, you can't, I'm not going to recommend this time of year right at the moment to do anything with a high nitrogen fertilizer. That means like your miracle grows, anything like that. See if you've got a product from a spoma that's called, um, you know, it, it could be, you know, holly tone. It could be flower tone. It could be any type of a tone. Rose tone because rose they tone. think they're roses, right? They do. Yep. Treat them like one. But they've got a product in there. It's a bacillus called mycorrhizae. Mycorrhizae collects at the root. It'll help to enhance the intake of all the nutrients next season. Do it again, probably around Mother's Day if you want, maybe a little sooner, but you're going to like the return from it. Um, 
as far as uh, changing color, if you want to, you can use aluminum sulfate to make them blue or almost midnight purple. Those are the French hydrangeas. But it's not going to do any changing of the color of the paniculatas or the endless summers or the limelights. Uh, leaves. I do recommend for your French hydrangea, take some leaves, put it around that ugly dead stalk so that it insulates it. But don't do anything to the paniculata. Let it harden. Um, and that's about it. Watering all the way up until it freezes. And then, I don't mean to, you know, trade off your shower or laundry bill, but make sure that the soil is wet. And if it's not, if I mean, you can still have a drought in the middle of autumn, even though it, you know, may not have rained two weeks ago. I still want you to go before. If they're going to call for a killing frost, give it a good drink before it goes to sleep. Okay, everybody. So put down your crayons. Hopefully you have some colorful notes. The garden guy has spoken. He, well, what he has said is, you under no obligation that you have to prune every year. I have spoken. Pay no attention to that dude behind the microphone. <laughs> All right. We done for the day there, Scott? I think we've accomplished what we set out to do. All right. Don't forget to listen in. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do, we've got ourselves punch up uh, YMG or your Midwest Garden podcast. You can Google that. It'll show a number of different sites that you can listen to it on. We don't have any problem. When are we going to do the uh, question and answers? We've got a lot of them in. And, I mean, I'm tired of typing in my questions. I mean, you know, I hunt and peck to answer on email. The, the emails that we get, yeah, can we? it's going to be November here. It'll be in November. Mike's mail number two will be November. All right, and that's going to answer. You got any questions? Go ahead. What's Do we have an email or web, web mail? Your, well, email address is yourmidwestgarden at bex dot net. Yourmidwestgarden. All one word. At bex.net. It's in the show notes down below. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at Your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.